Welcome to Ripple Effect Connection. I'm your host, Christy Hugic. Throughout my own journey, I've been blessed to form deep connections with incredible souls who've enriched my life with their insights. Today, I'm excited to extend these connections to you, bridging the gap between impactful messages and inspiring messengers. On this podcast, with the help of my guests, we're set to explore a diverse range of topics delving into nutrition, fitness, holistic health, and the power of mindset. Our goal is to ignite transformative discussions that create a ripple effect of positive change in your life and the lives of others. Welcome everyone to the latest episode of the podcast. My guest today is Dr. Jadine Kraft. She's a mental wellness coach with an inspiring journey of her own. She faced her own depression, panic attacks, and disordered eating. It led her to therapy and psychology, sparking an unwavering passion for the field. This led her to pursue a doctorate in clinical psychology and a fulfilling career at the Veterans Affairs Medical Center in Wyoming, where she helped veterans on their path to recovery. But her entrepreneurial spirit and quest for self-development took her in a different direction. In 2021, she founded her company, Kreft's Couch, offering mental wellness coaching to clients worldwide. Dr. Kreft's insights and innovative theories on wellness have inspired many, including myself, helping me navigate the missing components I needed to advance my healing journey. By the end of this episode, you'll gain valuable insights into mental wellness, nervous system regulation, and the power of personal transformation. She's an entrepreneur, a hot yoga instructor, and has a really neat new business venture she will introduce us to. Here's my conversation with Dr. Janine Kraft. Dr. Janine Kraft, I can't thank you enough for joining, and I am really, really excited to share what you do and your knowledge with everyone, so welcome to the podcast. Gosh, thank you for being here. That's me. This is really, this is really fun. <laughs> this is really fun because... It's sort of like we're having a session, but we're not like I'm, we're letting people into some of the work that you and I have done, you know, that will incorporate, you know, throughout, I'm sure this conversation, but I, I'm really just excited for you to, to give your knowledge to folks. And when every guest comes on though, I like to go back to the foundation of why they do what they do. So for you, what is your why? Just coming right out of the park, right? Like huge question. <laughs> oh, well, I would say that I've just always had an inner drive just to learn more. I mean, I was a professional ballet dancer for quite a few years. So dance was a part of my life for 17 years and then psychology, et cetera. So I've always kind of done things really big and full out, right? It's like I took my psychology training all the way to the doctorate level. So that I I don't even know. It's just this internal drive to continue for more, 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 more. And I've just always had a drive to really desire to feel really good, whether that be mentally, physically, um, from, you know, performing on stage with ballet and having that experience and finding flow there, then to psychology and really wanting to understand the mental aspect now to more of a holistic and energetic perspective. I just, it's just been this innate drive. And so I actually am not even quite sure where it comes from. So I'd say my why I was just, I was born with it is what my sense is. Yes. And you, you're good at following it. I know that you're good at following the leads that your body and you, you give yourself. 
you touched on it a little bit, but explain the unique way your role as a practitioner has evolved a bit more, you know, a counseling versus coaching mindset and how it's different from a regular therapy model. I mean, I'm, I'm traditionally trained in clinical psychology. So just the traditional Western model, that is what my um, doctorate is in. And then I worked with veterans at the VA. So again, also a lot of evidence-based, scientifically backed treatments um, for PTSD, depression, anxiety, all this. And once I hit my postdoc year, I just was feeling like something was lost still, like I was missing a piece. And it wasn't until I started to dive deeper into what else was possible. I had a friend that told me, oh, I just, I had my bars run and I haven't had a negative thought in three days. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, I don't know. Someone touched my head and for an hour. And then I just felt so good. I'm like, what is this? And so that actually is a modality that comes from access consciousness. And that was the first thing that kind of opened myself up to all these other possibilities of a holistic world, of an energetic world, of consciousness. And then that just is where I found my passion and my love. So I kind of shifted gears out of this Western model. I mean, I still have that formulation in my head, certainly for, you know, when people are still at that place. And now I have this whole other perspective of energetics, consciousness, you know, a holistic point of view that I've just incorporated. And I've just found so much more ease and success in that model. And then I continued to do therapy during this time. And again, therapy, it was kind of, again, this kind of natural progression because therapy sometimes it can, how do I want to say this? It is really medicinal for certain points of our journey, right? So it's like when we've been through extreme trauma and we've been a a victim, so to speak, of something like that, then it can be very medicinal to just have someone really affirming what happened, listening, hearing your story over and over and over again. At some point, that no longer becomes helpful. It becomes staying stuck in the rut. And I'm not saying all therapies like this because some therapists are not like this. But the idea of therapy can keep people stuck in that way. And so in a coaching modality, what I see it as coaching really helps people thrive. Therapy is kind of helping people survive, right? And we all need it depending on whatever we've been through. We need the therapy aspect. But then once you've kind of resolved those traumas and you want to thrive and just find your most expansive self, then that's where coaching comes in. Because coaching to me is less about the past and whatnot. It's more about, okay, where are you at now? And where are we going? And where, how are we going to get you there? Not let's rehash the past over and over and over and over again. And so that was just a natural progression as I evolved, as I felt more just drawn to that modality, because I found it again, more helpful overall for folks. Yeah, I think you hit on so many, so many amazing things there. And I know, like we already talked about this, about how you've evolved and, you know, you're great at, you know, wanting to see what's possible. What have you learned through your coaching practice now that you can apply to your own life? Because people want to know, you know, do we walk the walk, you know, as a coach, (laughs) right? They, heck yeah, they do want to know, do we walk the walk, you know? So what, what have you learned that you can apply to your own life? Yeah, and I love that you bring that up about walk the walk because I always thought it was so interesting when I was in school for psychology that a lot of my peers weren't in therapy 
And at the, for a lot of reasons, they can't make you go to therapy while you're in school. But I just thought that was so odd. I'm like, how are you becoming a counselor and you have not experienced the other side of the couch? Because I was personally in therapy at the time, you know, healing my own stuff. And since then, and since becoming a coach, I have always been with some sort of coach in my own personal containers in the coaching modality because you know you've probably heard it before but it's like you can only take people as far as you've taken yourself and so if i'm not doing my own work if i'm not really very self-aware then how can i expect my clients to do the same and so i just learn so much from my own self-reflection that then i can infuse that with my clients and now i'm not saying that I'm looking for someone with all these degrees and whatnot. I actually want someone who has, like you're saying, done the work, talks their talk. Like that feels much more aligned than degrees on a wall where someone's not doing the personal work. You talk about and a lot and what even, you know, when I was hearing about what you do and, you know, coming to you was an option. There was a lot of talk about energy, being an energy healer, uh, being able to tune into frequencies and energy. What do you mean by that so that people listening to this can understand what that means and what you do and how do you convey this to people you work with? I guess it's coming from the premise that you are an energetic being at your core, right? It's like energy created you ultimately and everything starts with energy. So any sort of health issue or thought form or whatever, it all starts with energy first before it manifests into our 3D reality, right? And so when we are targeting the root, which is the energy, then things are going to shift lightning speed versus when we're trying really hard to muck through the kind of 3D dense reality versus targeting the root. I mean, you know, within health, that's quite different. So the way I explain it to people is that your first language is energy. Ultimately, that's how you learned how to connect. You just kind of had to read what was being delivered to you by your parents and interactions before you had words to describe it. And so ultimately, what we are seeking to do is become really congruent with the energy we're perceiving and the words we're speaking. Because a lot of times people are not tuning into the energy and they're just saying what they think they should say or what they think the right thing is to say. And so when people, like I'm working with a client and they're telling me something, I'm really tuning in more to the energy. And so oftentimes maybe I'll close my eyes or things like that because I'm hearing the discrepancy between the words and the energy. And then I'm bringing that to conscious awareness by highlighting that. So I kind of see myself as like the translator, so to speak for folks. So, okay, this is what you're saying. And this is what I'm actually hearing. Does that resonate with you? And then people are like, oh my God, I wasn't even thinking about that. And so that's where we say we're bringing the unconscious to conscious awareness because I'm just poking at the energy and now people are putting their attention to it. And it's, oh, okay, now I have awareness. Now I can choose something else. And that's how people can shift it is when they have awareness of what they're choosing. Yeah. And I can, you know, uh testify to that exact thing. You know, we had to peel back layers, you know, yeah. we had to peel back layers. And it's so it's the second you're alerting of something that's coming out and then we're peeling back a layer and then we're yeah. going, oh, okay, this did affect me. Oh, this is in my subconscious and I'm not aware. Now I am. And that awareness is so amazing. And so I don't think there's a person on the planet who couldn't benefit from this kind of coaching. 
-hmm. There's not a person that would listen to this that wouldn't benefit from it. I would say that 100%. But what are the types of barriers that people come to you with that you most commonly see? I tend to work with a lot of entrepreneurs just in general, I think because they're already aware that mindset and perspective is so important to how they're showing up in their business. And so they tend to really highly value that. And so they look at that a lot. And then also people with chronic illness just tends to be the like a similar thing. And I think it's because, you know, again, also with chronic illness, people have tried all the things. They've tried all the things. They met with all the doctors, all the things. And then they're finally like, oh, okay, fine. Let me try this weird energy chick. <laughs> Let me see what she's got for me uh, because I've tried it all. And, and I just, I get that there's some piece that's missing. And um, so oftentimes, you know, when I'm working with that, it is looking at the judgment, as you know, um, we're looking at where are people functioning from a lot of judgment, right, wrong, good, bad. And how is that really activating their nervous system? And this is the same in entrepreneurship. Where is that activating their nervous system so that they're chronically in some sort of fight, flight, freeze mode, um, which is A, not helping them in their business or B, not helping them in their health, right? Because staying in this really sustained state of dysregulation, the body cannot heal and we ultimately get sick. So that is probably the the kind of main things that I see. And then judgment's usually one of the first things that we're always working on. And people will say, no, I'm not judgmental. No, I don't function from judgment. I'm like, just you wait, because there's just so much that, I mean, all of us, me too, I'm human. There's still these like blind spots that we all have. Where it's like, dang, I was still functioning from this is the right thing to choose versus the wrong thing to choose, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, that, of course, that was my next thing because you knew that I was going to bring up judgment first because that's probably one of my biggest hurdles was everything I had done for most of my life was coming from a place of judgment. Yeah. Good, bad, you know, sports. We talked about this sports like you were in dance and ballet, like a lot of judgment involved in all of this. It is a hurdle to get over. Yeah. So maybe could you give maybe a little bit of a tip to how do you how do you become aware of this and and kind of how do you stop it you know you know and I know that's a long I'm asking you all these complicated <laughs> questions okay. I'm trying to cram like five six sessions with you into, into one. one podcast I love it I know but judgment is such a big deal yeah. because I see it in patients every day right yeah. they'll say I was bad. I ate something that was not on protocol. I, um, you know, I did such a bad job with my sleep this week. There's always that good, bad, you know, instead of, you know, how do you stop that and make something out of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question because, you know, on one hand, we want to say you, you try to dial down the judgment as much as possible. Now, I also don't mean don't have awareness, right? Like, oh, I just ate whatever and it's fine and blah, 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 Like, right, there's some sort of middle ground that we're looking for where you can have awareness to what you're choosing, but not also shame yourself for it. That is the key because you know when people shame themselves, they're activating their nervous system. And so it's like a backwards slope that we're not looking for. So oftentimes I'll teach people about asking questions, like an open-ended question to help facilitate them getting out of judgment because judgment is ultimately a conclusion and contracts the energy. It feels very dense and it will make you feel worse usually. So asking a question kind of opens up the energy, helps your nervous system to relax. So anytime you're saying something that is curious energy or in a question energy, you're going to feel better. 
right? When you're tapping into the awareness. Really, I'm seeking to use a question to get me out of the grips of judgment. So I don't want to use questions like, why did I eat so terribly? Or why did I sleep so poorly, right? I'm already going to a place of judgment. Like I've already decided it's bad. I'm really seeking to get myself out of good, bad, right, and wrong. So if I didn't judge this, what would I think? If I didn't see this as wrong, what would I choose? And those questions really, although they sound so simple, they shift the energy so fast for people. So that's really what I tell folks to use for getting out of judgment. And you'll know if it's working, if you feel relief or if you feel better, right? So anytime you're talking to yourself and you're like, oh, I'm asking questions and you feel like crap, then it's not, you're still functioning from judgment because Functioning from awareness and consciousness will always help you to feel better and judgment will always have you feel worse. And it's a block, you know, if you're in judgment, it's actually blocking you from learning something from the experience, which I think, you know, is with patients, that's the big deal, right? We're always like, there are no failures. There's just learning experiences. But if you're blinded by the judgment, you're not going to get there quite as easily. Yeah. Well, especially, I mean, you know, as we've been trained, you know, as an athlete, as a dancer, that we're just indoctrinated to this idea of that's right, that's wrong. This is correct technique. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. And so it's kind of like, well, how else do I function or relate in this reality? I mean, even our whole school system is that you get a grade, you did a good job, you passed or you don't. And so it's just, it's, a hard shift for people. So I appreciate that. And I also acknowledge that it takes time to unlearn this and reprogram to not function from it. Yeah. And so what's, what's your advice for people? This is again, like probably a a big can (laughs) of worms, but what's your advice for people who truly want to change? To simply remain open to the process and know that You know, it is not this like linear line of enlightenment and I just feel better and everything's great. Sometimes we actually feel worse when we start this process because now we're just getting present with certain things we haven't looked at and we initially go into judgment about it. And so we have to unlearn that judgment and recognize that the healing journey is kind of like you go up and then there's a slide back. Then you go up and you slide back and you go up and it's like breathing. But every breath, there's a deeper inhalation, right? Because you could see I was going up and sliding back a little, going up and sliding back a little. So it's like you never slide all the way back, right? Because where you're at now is not where you're at three years ago. So you're constantly evolving. You're constantly moving forward. You're always moving forward. And just recognize that the, the kind of dip backs are the natural process to propel yourself forward and to not make that wrong. Yeah. And I I think about that frequently, like I'll have something come up and I'll think to myself, I would not have handled this like this two years ago. It would not have gone what this would have messed me up. You know, I had a day where my nervous system was activated and I was like extra nervous system regulation. And now we're going to get into nervous system, extra nervous system regulation, (laughs) but I have the tools now so that when I need it, I can use it. And that that's something that we are going to, you know, we are going to get into. And, and one thing before I get into trap trauma, mm. I want to just real quick explain, like, 
it is the one hurdle that I see for people, like you said before, this isn't people's first thing that they look at when things aren't going right. And if it were, the healing would go quicker. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's the patients that we have at the clinic with Dr. Cole, the ones who are the most successful are the ones that dig into the nervous system component early and often. Yeah. So what I would say to people listening, and I think you would probably agree, agree to, with me, is that you may not think you're dysregulated, but you, you, you likely are. Yeah. You are. I mean, it's almost impossible to not be have your nervous system activated at some point in time. Nobody's walking around flatlining mm -hmm. here, you know, especially in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is listen to this with an open mind and understand that this can be a missing component. And it's a lot simpler than taking a drug, than doing other kinds of med medicinal therapies. This is a lot easier. So um, not that it's easy, <laughs> but it's, it's a lot easier to dig into this by yeah. doing things at home. And so let's go into trauma. And I know we, we want to find better words for that. And I think uh, one of the first things I heard you talk about was big T and little mm. T trauma, which made sense to me because we all think trauma and we think life-threatening. This was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But really, there could be little T traumas every day. So can you explain what's meant by that and what can happen if these traumas little or big are not dealt with. Yeah. So I, I, I sense it's just, we don't have like the greatest terminology kind of, as you're saying, like, because people have this reference point of trauma as like war zone or life and death. And that is how it is originally defined in the DSM. So what we're recognizing now though, is that there can be chronic, what we call little T trauma or upsets that are constantly dysregulating the nervous system. So that's really what we're looking at. And those might look like maybe you had a really critical mother or maybe you had a pet die or something like that, whether or not it's not a person dying. So then maybe it's not as you know, big of a deal in the perspective of how it's defined, yet it's irrelevant because all that matters is how did it affect you? And so with these like littler things, maybe that aren't life threatening, or maybe you're bullied in school or something like that. If you're constantly in a state of stress or feeling like on edge, then your nervous system is dysregulated. So I think a lot of people can relate to like the having been in some sort of critical environment, whether it's parent for me, ballet uh, or something like that or school, then you're kind of on edge to perform or want to please others like please do you like me is this okay is this right right and if we're constantly in that state of stress then our nervous system again it's in a state that we can't heal and this is why we're in my opinion we're seeing so much chronic illness now is because like we're kind of having the clarity that people are living in a state of stress even though they don't realize it right it's like oh well yeah i mean i don't get the greatest sleep but you know a couple glasses of wine will take care of that or you know what i mean people are just kind of self-medicating or just you know they kind of minimize what's happening until let's say a chronic illness pops up um i'm i forget what the second part of your question was well just about the connection that you see if it's not dealt with you mm. know what can what can happen you know if, if if that trauma is not brought to the awareness and the you know it's in the subconscious a lot of times but yeah. you know getting it into the conscious mind you know, what happens if, you know, what do you see happen if, if people are struggling with that or, or they're not able to get it there? I, I guess it's more of what the mental health, physical health could be. Yeah. Well, I, I, yes. So I get, I was like consciously going there unconsciously, but, um, I, I sense that to me, it's like, then we're seeing what are, what we call diagnoses, depression, anxiety, 
panic, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, chronic illness, autoimmune issues, right? It's like, to me, trauma is at the root to some degree, right? Because if, again, from my perspective, seeing it as an energy perspective, trauma happens, it creates a held vibration in the body, right? Because now you're functioning from a like the, I got to brace myself for impact kind of vibe. So you're constantly on edge and you have all these micro contractions in muscles. Now you're having neck pain or something like that. Or now my system is not relaxing to heal and repair. And so now I'm just getting sick over and over again, or now I'm in a state of depression or anxiety, right? So to me, that's where it's kind of like the root of all these kind of manifestations that we're saying, oh, well, your depression, it's inherited or, or same with autoimmune issues. I'm kind of like, what's actually going on in your body? Because I'm of the perspective that we can heal our bodies when we figure out what's going on and what's at the root. Yeah, and the body is so powerful, but so and so is the mind. Yes. And so thinking these things, believing these things, you know, one of the tools that you gave me that really always helped me, and I, I still turn to it quite a bit, was the hypnosis that mm-hmm. you did. You had a healing one that, you know, came very early, you know, in our program that yeah. I still, if I'm struggling, I turn to that one. I can literally tell people it felt like an out-of-body experience the first time I did it. I could not believe what was happening. And I was like, what is happening? And I couldn't believe how I felt. And now I turn to that. So, you know, it is one of the tools in my toolbox that I have. So what kind of tips or actionable steps and tools do you use to help people regulate their nervous system? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the first thing I teach folks is that you need the right tool for the job, meaning you need to use a hammer for a nail (laughs) and a screwdriver for a screw. You could switch them, but it's not going to be as efficient. Meaning, depending on how dysregulated your nervous system is, you want a tool that matches that level of energy. So let's say starting at the top, really extreme dysregulation, we need big tools, like something that's really going to snap your body back into some sort of homeostatic state. So something like cold exposure or really intense breath work or just kind of dancing it out, like really shaking out your body um, or stemming is really helpful, right? So we need something really big and active to meet that energy. When I'm really dysregulated or about to have a panic attack, it's like I can't sit down and do a meditation. And oftentimes when it has gone that far, let's say panic attack, we kind of need to let our bodies just recalibrate and just kind of ride the wave. But we can do these tools to help ground ourselves. As we come down and we're more at like a moderate level of dysregulation, then maybe it's not as intense of a dance it out. Maybe it's me going for a walk. Maybe it's taking a bath. Maybe it's doing some lighter breath work or some EFT tapping, things like that. And then when I'm more regulated is the time for, I want to say like my hygiene practices. So my practices like brushing my teeth that I do daily just to keep my nervous system fit. So it's the same way like our physical fitness, our nervous system needs to be fit and flexible so that it can navigate the continual stresses of our reality, right? We're not going to stay in a state of relaxation and bliss all the time. It'd be lovely, but we, we're not, right? <laughs> so it's being able to kind of re-regulate more quickly from intense events and stay at a more regulated state longer. So have like a longer threshold before we get dysregulated. So people will know that they're easily dysregulated if they tend to just like boil over very quickly. Like it doesn't take much to send them off. 
or they struggle with sleep or they struggle with irritability, anxiety, poor attention, things like that, or they struggle to sit still in a meditation. Those are good indicators that likely you're just hanging out, even if it's in a low level of fight and flight. And that's honestly what I teach folks, especially in the program that you went through, is what are the micro fight and flight responses? Because people know the big ones. Okay, I know that's like a big freeze response, but where are the micro ones? Like just when you're, let's say, working on your business and you're like, oh my God, I can't choose. I can't choose right. And you're just paralyzed with what to choose. That's a micro freeze response, right? Your nervous system is starting to dis get dysregulated. And this again is actually all tied to what we started with earlier, which is judgment. So if people are regulating, but not working on the judgment piece, then they're just constantly having to redo all the work they did because judgment keeps activating the nervous system. So we need to do both simultaneously. I think if people listen to uh, my episode two was with my friend Robin Barnhart, who wrote a book um, called Sea Life Through Rose-Colored Glasses. Mm. And she talks about a lot of the principles. Like if you listen to that podcast, your ear, your ears were probably burning <laughs> the day we recorded it because I brought you up so many times because your, your words and what you're both saying, they both really, really do complement mm. each other. And so I could relate to all this. But one of the things that you told me that I thought, you know, was such good advice was was first I listen to my body. So I don't have it planned out what I do every day for my nervous regulation, nervous system regulation. You just said, leave space for something. And then I kind of just feel what I need. Um, I remember that one day I told you where I was like, I don't know why, but my body was just telling me it wanted to run. Mm -hmm. Like I don't run anymore. You have a really bad knee. And all of a sudden I was like, I don't know. I felt really good. And my body was saying like, I, I want to do some sprints up the hill here at the house. And so what I've learned from you, you know, one of the biggest things is to respond to my body. And I think that people listening, like, it's very empowering to have these tools and know that they're there for you, but you do have to practice them mm -hmm. and you're using different ones. And someday my, my nervous system regulation is longer than others. Right. You know, a, a day earlier this week when I was really upset, I was frustrated. I had a lot of just thoughts I was letting out that weren't going to be the best and but I needed to let them out but I also worked extra nervous system regulation and what I considered some feedback that that was a victory was the next morning when I woke up my tracker told me my recovery my HRV was in the 60s wow and so how how would I get to an HRV that's in the 60s after a day like that? That wouldn't have happened before. Yeah. I wouldn't have slept well. Yeah. I wouldn't have that number. I probably would have felt crummy the next day. I probably would have let it linger. So I think that that is, you know, what you're saying. And I think that that's the biggest thing is that this empowers you to control it so that people can tune into that awareness. I think that's that's the biggest point, right? Yeah. And that what you kind of said to me was, you don't have to do this every day, this one thing, but make space for something mm -hmm. every day. Yeah, it's like, we don't question brushing our teeth or taking a shower, we just do it, right? We make space for it and we do it because we were taught it as kids to manage our hygiene. And so I teach people to think of their nervous system the same way, leave space for it. And then yes, follow what your body is asking for because your body is the most wise, your body is the best doctor, truly. It's like giving you the information if only we would listen. And I love that from the beginning, you were always using biofeedback because 
right away you were seeing seeing the numbers change even if you weren't like you were feeling it but that just confirmed what you were feeling because sometimes these changes can be so subtle in the beginning and so seeing those huge numbers change you're like holy cow like okay this something is happening here i know i'm increasing the fitness of my nervous system because of the recovery rate i just thought that was so cool yeah. And really I'll share what else. Cause you know, you and I have brought this up. You and I did a, a session for our patients, you know, at the oh, clinic, yeah. um, together yeah. where we kind of explain to everyone how we work together. And one of the things that I know Dr. Cole brought this up, I was on his podcast, uh, last week. And one of the things he brought up was this, I just, so people know I was having trouble sweating, mm-hmm. uh, and sweating is a big part of the detox yes. process. So as I'm going through the detox process, I'm like, man, it is a lot of work to sweat. Like I'm in a sauna. How high do I have to have this sauna up for me to sweat? You know, why do I have to be in here for 20 minutes and 140 degrees? And, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sweating yet. That's, that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. So the more Dr. Kraft and I work together, the easier I would sweat. And I probably think it was what? I think it was like two sessions. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was sweating. And then I started to notice I was feeling pain an abnormal amount. So I think this is another sign too for people. I was feeling pain like it was abnormal. I would just bump my Mm. leg on something and there's a bruise and I feel it for two to three days. Well, (laughs) I dropped a Dyson hairdryer. They're not light. (laughs) I dropped a Dyson hairdryer on my foot one day and I was like, it hurt, of course, in the second. I got up and I picked it up and I went, this is amazing. This doesn't hurt like it should. Mm. I didn't feel it for days. I banged my hip on the corner of our island in the kitchen. Yes, this is all coming back to that I'm klutzy. Um, That's also, (laughs) that's not judgment. That's reality. Just awareness. That's okay. Just awareness. I am klutzy. Um, I hit my hip on that. No bruise. And I would have had that before. So I did have a lot of tangible results. And that is again to the awareness though, because yeah. I've, my awareness is on high alert, but it is nice when you can have a tracker and you can see the nervous system regulating right in front of your eyes and you can see the days it's dysregulated. So I think that those are, are really valuable tools. This is, um, something else I wanted to bring up. I probably didn't have it on the original question list, but I actually think it's a really good topic. I think the exercise that you do like yoga, like mm-hmm. Pilates, like Legree, mm-hmm. I think that complements the work that we all do. Can you talk about how exercises like that versus maybe HIIT training? Because if your nervous system regu- is not regulated and you're exercising in a way that's going to be more yeah. stressful, it's not always the best. But can you talk about how those exercises and the, the you teach those courses too, can you talk about how that can complement work like this? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because it's like it, uh, about a year ago, I, I was doing really light like walking and and things like that, light exercise. And then I just felt the desire to take a Pilates class. And I was listening to that internal guidance. And funny, it brought me to the studio that does mainly Pilates, Legree, hot yoga, et cetera. And I am of the thought process that this high intensity, but low, um, low impact and low activation of your cortisol is really what it's just it's transformed my body physically mentally in many capacities and specifically hot yoga i found to be super helpful not only because it's sweating so much every single day um but then also i mean the whole premise of yoga is presence bringing your mind to present moment and you are doing these very hard 
intense poses that require a lot of strength and a lot of flexibility. And there is no choice but to be present during it. And so I just found so much benefit in that, that then I became trained as a yoga instructor. And so now I'm actually teaching that regularly. And I still take Pilates and Legree as kind of like a way to round out my fitness to help with my structural alignment. I've had scoliosis since I was a kid to help with that, the Legree to help just like strengthen other muscles. Um, but because I feel like some of these other high intensity, like a hit or something like that, can just be too activating for the nervous system. Like, yes, we need to get kind of energy out, but if it's uh, dysregulating too much or if it doesn't feel good on your body, then I wouldn't choose it. And that's literally how I guide people because I'm constantly returning them back to their intuitive knowing, which is, well, how are you feeling? Do you feel better afterwards or not? Get out of if you've decided this exercise is right or wrong. Again, getting out of the judgment. What is working for you? Yeah, that feedback is big. And so like in the moment when I was frustrated and, and just upset and wanted to let things out, I did a 15-minute Peloton climb. Yeah. But then what I did is some stretching before I went to bed and this morning did some yoga because I felt like for me, it's not a good idea to lift heavy weights. So I'm coming around, you know, but I was that athlete that thought, you know, for the longest time, if you're not sweating profusely and you're not sore the next day and you're not huffing and puffing, you're not exercising. Whereas here I was this morning doing yoga and I was sweating like, you know, I'm sweating doing that yoga, but it's also restorative and it's also, you know, opening things up. And it's, it's, it's just, you know, my body as we get older, pliability is so important. So I, I found it fascinating, you know, seeing you go through that and seeing the connection between that. But I, but I also know that you've got um, a new venture that uh, mm -hmm. you've been talking about a lot on social media. So I, I want to know all about this. Can you, can you fill me in on this? Yeah. So I am in the process with my business partner creating a ready-to-drink non-alcoholic cocktail or a botanical infusion is what we are calling it. And um, I met her actually at the Pilates studio, ironically enough. So my body brought me there for more reasons than one. And we just clicked right away. And um, she's actually 15 years younger than me. So there's a generational gap, but we just click so well and vibe so well. And we are just chatting um, one day where she was really never into the alcohol scene. I think this like younger generation is just getting away from that. And I recently, like over this past year, have just no longer resonated with it. Like I, wine and cocktails have been in my life for decades since my early 20s. I got married in Napa, like people called me Auntie Bubbles, like I'm the champagne girl. So it's like wine was my vibe. I always enjoyed it. Well, cut to this year, it was just, I was intuitively for a while feeling called to to just let it go or not have such a close, close grip on it. And so that has changed dramatically. And now every now and then I'll have something, but it's not like regularly in my life like it was before. And in the process, I was looking for alternatives and I wasn't finding them. They were like highly processed, lots of chemicals, lots of added sugar, and didn't even taste that great or they had caffeine. It was just, bleh. I was like, not, not about it. So when I was talking to my girlfriend about it, it's like, we should create our own brand. Let's do this. What's it gonna take? I don't know. Okay, let's do it. And so now, cut to now, we are very close to finalizing our first two flavors. So we have a calamansi mango flavor and a passion fruit sage, and they are just juices and extracts. 
with no added sugar, no added caffeine, no natural flavors, no artificial flavors. So we're trying to keep as much as you can, keep a ready to drink um, cocktail, non-alcohol cocktail in the can, but also something really tasty and elevated so that you feel like you still have that celebratory element. Cause that's just what I loved about a cocktail. It's just like celebration vibes, like something to connect to socially. There's just something about having a fun beverage. And so, um, so that's where we're at. Our brand is called House of Botanique. Um, you can find us at Drink Botanique on Instagram and TikTok. And so we're really close to an probably six-ish weeks, we'll have our samples and we're just going to start hitting the ground running and pitching ourselves all around and uh, see where it goes from there. But I'm really excited about it because it just it was just something that kind of dropped in intuitively to choose. Um, and yes, it kind of complements everything else I do. And I never thought that I'd be creating a, a mocktail brand, basically. I mean, it's so cool. <laughs> I love it because, you know, it really, you learn very quickly um, the detrimental things about alcohol are hard to overlook, especially yeah. if you're trying to sleep well and have a regulated nervous system and alcohol yes. is anti that. And sometimes you have to learn that it is the actual celebratory nature of being amongst people that you want to talk to and you want to be around and whatever's in your glass that doesn't go away. And, you yeah. know, by the way, if you do something like this, you can sleep better and still have a good time. So I love it. I think it's a amazing idea there's been a lot of um products i've seen you know uh across like whole 30 spectrums there's mm. like hop water you know which ah, is like hot water yeah which is good <laughs> and so there are ways to do this you know and and not have the alcohol and we see a lot of people doing dry januaries and then i yeah. saw a uh, sober october out yeah. you know i saw that so it, it's it's becoming a monthly thing now so yeah. i i love that but I also want you to tell people how they can follow you in general on social media. I know you have a podcast too. So why don't you let people know how they can connect with you and watch you dance on social media? Oh my God. Dance. That's just so <laughs> um, also, as you were saying, one last thing about the House of Botanique, we've actually included functional elements as well to facilitate like ashwagandha, L-thionine, passionflower, lemon balm to help people relax, right? The opposite alcohol gives you that initial it feeling of relaxation, but the sleep disruption, all these things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we're really excited about that. So that's that. But um, my personal brand is Kreft's Couch, and I am on IG and TikTok mainly. I do have a pod called the Kreft's Couch Pod that you can find me on all, all sorts of different platforms. Um, but so I am still also doing offering one-on-one -on -one mental wellness coaching. I offer different groups and pre-recorded courses and things like that as well from time to time. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of also sharing my life on there as well. I've been on social media for quite a while now. Um, so I'm sharing a lot about our journey at House of Botanique and how we're growing the brand. So I like entrepreneurship. I just like sharing all, all the things. And what you're referring to my dancing is because I used <laughs> what some of the videos that had me go viral on TikTok back in 2020 was me dancing it out and showing people you can regulate your nervous system this way. This is a very easy, attainable, accessible way to regulate your nervous system. I mean, so. singing and humming is one of yes. my favorite ways to stimulate vagus nerve. And I, I'm there going to the Luke Bryan concert tonight. So I'm going to be doing oh. a lot of stimulating the vagus nerve. <laughs> um, I would also just tell people too, if you know, if you're not ready to jump 10 toes into a one-on-one -on -one or the, the little bite-sized courses that you are 
um, offering, I think is a nice way for people. There is a nervous system one I know you've offered yeah. before. I think they're great bite-sized way to get, get a taste of this and just to get some help. So I'm, um, I know you, I'm, you're not asking me to promote that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm openly promoting it because I do think people can be overwhelmed sometimes. And so yeah. the idea of giving people bite-sized chunks where they can take a little bit in at a time would be really cool. And honestly, you're responsible. I feel for this podcast. So it's kind of cool that, uh, you know, this was like me, as you like to say, it pinged me. And I was like, I think I want to do this. You know, this just sounds like a great medium. So to have you on and have it come full circle, that's really fun. Uh, That's so cool. I'm so grateful to hear that. And truly, I'm just honored to be a part of people's journeys in this process. I adore you and I love, you know, just doing this. And so it's so cool to see people blossom in their own as everything kind of clicks into place. So it's just so cool. And I'm so honored. Well, I hope you'll come back again. But thank you for coming on today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap for this episode of Ripple Effect Connection. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on the nervous system and energy healing with Dr. Janine Kraft. Now that you've been inspired, here's my call to action for you. Take a moment to reflect on the insights and wisdoms shared. The nervous system plays a huge role in our health. Take inventory of your nervous system hygiene. Do you take time out for any of these methods each day? How can you apply these lessons to your own health and well-being? I'm always up for talking about my work in this area or anything else. I'd love to hear from you, so connect with me on social media and let me know what resonated with you. Reach out on Instagram, at WholeHealthChristy. You can also get the full episode's show notes for this episode and any others on my website at christyhugic.com slash podcast. Next, spread the inspiration, like, follow, review, and share the podcast with others who may benefit from these stories. Stay tuned for the next episode of Ripple Effect Connection. Let's create waves of change together.